What's up, Riz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We are here for a post game after the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Los Angeles Lakers 104 to 99. Man, that was an exciting game last night. And a lot of, I would love to say a lot of back and forth, but it wasn't a ton of back and forth. It was a lot of the Lakers dominating the game until the fourth quarter. Um, and, and the Grizzlies were able to put it together in the fourth quarter and go on a run and close it out against LeBron James putting up a, a, a monster game, his best game of the season so far. Isaac, were you able to watch it last night? I know you were kind of doing double duty. Yeah, man, double duty with the Tigers, man, dropping another one to Tulane, but we're not going to – definitely not going to go down that rabbit hole. But, yeah, man, not a game where the, the Grizzlies played particularly well until to the fourth quarter. I mean, LeBron and the Lakers came out hot from, from three and just seemed like they weren't missing. Uh, it seemed like every time they put the basketball up, first half was going in. If it didn't, they got the offense rebound and ended up scoring. And it just looked like it wasn't going to be the Grizzlies' night, but – they never quit, um, and, and I think I think th- these veteran guys like LeBron and, and Carmelo and Russell, I think they thought the Grizzlies beat them last time they were here at FedEx Forum, and I think they kind of thought, man, we're going to come in there and put some pressure on them early, and they're going to fold, and that's not what happened at all. Um, John Morant, heroic. We saw what he did the game, game in the fourth quarter against Phoenix, game winner out there, man, and comes back and, and, and probably has – I mean, I think he had 40-something earlier this season, but I think this was probably his best performance of the season. 41 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Like 6 of 7 from 3, 13 of 27 from the field, 9 of 12 from the free throw line. Just uh, all-star level night. And I think his all-star position, and I think you see what he's done in the last couple of games, I think it's solidified. I think it's no question at this point. And it's amazing to watch. I mean, you see... The, the old guard and what's who's considered to be the best player in the world, LeBron. And you have John Morant, third-year player, comes out and outdoes him, and his team wins. I mean, it's just crazy stuff that we're getting to watch. And I'm telling Grizz Nation, man, don't take this for granted. I mean, this is special. This is something that we've never seen before here uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies, and it's just the beginning of it. And I think he's the type of player that could lead us to a championship parade on Bill. And I don't know if we've ever had that. So, man, enjoy this. Take this in, man. It's going to be a fun ride, I think. I'm going to give Ja all of his flowers and and all the praise and everything that he deserves. Before I get to my point, though, in the post game presser, did he mention the two missed free throws? Because he missed two two in a row at the line late in the fourth. Did he mention those? Man, I actually I, I didn't say I don't I can't, God, I, and I was I was about to say I wasn't in there for him, but I was in there. I don't I don't think so. Okay. I don't I don't think he mentioned. I don't think he did. I, I was talking with a guy walking up the stairs and we were talking about his performance. And I'm like, I said, I would almost bet you money that he mentions those two missed free throws. That's just how he is. That's how it is. How he is though. But I, I gotta, I have to talk about Jaron Jackson jr. And why, why do I have to talk about Jaron jr. Jaron Jackson jr. He was one for four from three. He only had 15 points because of the block. His timing on blocking that jump shot there late in the fourth I want to say it was Malik Monk in the corner. And if Malik Monk knocks that shot down, there's no telling what happens in this game. Jaron Jackson yeah, probably a different game. closed out, jumped at exactly the right time, and he gets a piece of that jump shot. Dude, that was huge. That was probably the biggest play in this game from Jaron Jackson. And so I, I saw some people giving Jaron some crap after this game. I know that they want to see this magic number of 
you know, scoring 20 and 10, you know, 20 and 10, yeah. Zebo 2.0. The, the like, byline, that's what you want. I, the baseline, I, I, I mean. I get that. Like, I, I understand that. But, dude, without that timing, without him blocking that shot, I don't know that they win this game. It was just like in the moment I, I saw that and I'm like, dude, that was huge. That was incredible. You know, great play by him. And obviously, I got I got to get back to Ja. And, you know, the, the efficiency, you know, 13 for 27, just I, I thought that we were going to see because of the amount of usage that he was going to get this year, I thought we were going to see his field goal percentage go down. And his field goal percentage – um has you know like not that it's been terrible over his career because it, it hasn't but when you get more usage when you're taking more shots and especially as a guard you would think that you would see that take a huge hit and, and it hasn't at all it, it's gone up his rookie season he was at 48 percent on the year taking 14 shots a game this year he's at 48 percent taking 19 shots a game just stupid good like this this type of stuff doesn't happen this is like he i don't even know i don't know that i have words i, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think, think there i don't think there either it are any words no like, i don't think i mean what we're watching right now i don't think there's any way to to put it into words that we kind of going into all season and did the kind of two things that we said would take him to his ceiling would be improving on the defensive end and the three-point shooting and we've definitely Seen a three-point shooting improve. I mean, he was six of six at one point in the game, six of seven. I mean, who would have thought two years ago, his rookie year, or even times last year, that we'd see a game like that where he'd go six of seven from three. I mean, he's definitely put in the work during the offseason. And uh, LeBron James, at his postgame presser, was asked about Ja Moran. I think it was Evan Barnes uh, from the Commercial Pill who asked him uh, about Ja and what he's seen from him. And he talked about the improved three-point shooting. He said when he's scoring from all three levels like that, he's basically on guard. He said, there's like nothing that you can do about it. And I think we've talked about that on here. It's like, man, if he knocks down three and he does what even not at a six or seven clip, we weren't even talking about anything like that. I think we said like 35, 36%, maybe if he could get to that, he would be basically unstoppable. And I think he, I'm not sure what the numbers he, are. He's above that. Right right yeah. That's why I said, yeah. I thought he was. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, you're not, not going to be able to guard him. I mean, he's hitting, the mid-range floater, he's getting to the basket. Uh, just when, when he's playing like that, and if he's knocking down threes, there's like really nothing that you can do about him. And it, it's it, it's crazy, man. It's just crazy stuff that you just don't see. I mean, this is special. I, I, I still think people don't realize what's happening here. Like, and I, I noticed, I don't want to sound like a homer or sound crazy here, but I think you could look up a couple years from now and he could be the best player in the NBA. Like, I think he has, that type of talent. I mean, 41 point points in a game like this going up against LeBron where LeBron had his best game of, uh, of the season. And I mean, you can say, I mean, you're not going to see them in nights when somebody scores 37, 38 points. So, I mean, one of the better games at all, I mean, and to outdo them and to be able to will your team to victory like that, hit big shots. You had the uh, buzzer beating three at the end of the third quarter. He's going now hit the gritty fitting form rocking, man. It's just, Fun times, man, here with, with, with the Grizzlies. And uh, I think Grizz Nation, man, we're in for a treat. And I'm just just sitting back watching, man. Just sit back with your arms folded, man, and, and watch the show. Because, I mean, we have a bona fide superstar at Memphis, man. And I and that's something that we haven't been able to say before. As good as 
the core four was during that stretch. I don't know that you could have legitimately talked about any of those guys in the MVP conversation and it really gained traction. I mean, you know, there were, do you feel like if I'm wrong in that, tell me, man, do you, do you feel like that was the case? I know like, you know, there was times when, when Zebo, yeah. I mean, like maybe, maybe you could have talked about him in that conversation, but John Morant right now, he's averaging 25 points a game, seven assists, six rebounds, and 1.5 steals. There have been MVP seasons with lesser numbers than that. And, and that's 100%. Interesting. We, we've got a lot of games to go. We still have a lot of time to go on this season, but I don't see this slacking off, man. I don't, this is not a fluke at all. No, because I, and I kind of thought like when he came back and everybody's healthy, you got Jared, Jared playing better and putting up better numbers. I thought, like you said, his field goal percentage would go down. I thought his scoring would go down. Like I didn't think we'd still see him putting up 25 a night. I was like, I mean, that'd probably go down to 18, 19, which is still fantastic, but it hasn't at all. Um, and, and the thing about it is they're still – he's able to still put up those numbers and they win. I think there was a time last year when he went big, those were the games where they lost. And I think that's part of his maturation process because now when he's putting up these big numbers, he's carrying the team to victory. Um, and, and there was a, a talk last year of, like, when Ja goes big, that's when they lose games. And that's not what we're seeing anymore. I mean, he's a leader for his team. That The guys love him. They feed off of him. And it's just – special man to, to see him go up against LeBron James like that and I think you look at this game and, and you got to look back on this game both of these games I mean you hit the coming out of the game winner against Ed Phoenix and to come back and do this I mean I think you got to look back on this and like this is where kind of maybe where this thing really took off I mean I think because going up against the Lakers you're always going to have more national eyes on you and I think that raised a lot of eyebrows last night I think Kendrick Perkins is one of the national media guys that's really kind of keyed in on the Grizzlies and has kind of been telling people, man, you got to watch what's going down down in Memphis. I think these last two games against Phoenix and L.A. are going to re- really raise some eyebrows. You, people talk about NBA League pass teams. This Grizzlies is a, is a much watch, it's a much see TV because when Jock comes out there, you just never know, man, what, what you're going to see. Anytime you walk into FedEx Forum or Arena when the Grizzlies playing, you're probably going to see something special because he's seemingly doing something special night in and night out now. Dude, I had the guy behind me at the game last night ticked. <laughs> he was mad. He, he was mouthing me because every single time that John Morant gets the ball in transition and he's he's going downhill, I'm on my feet I, because I'm not going to miss it. I was at a game. I, I tell you, I, I'm pretty sure it was Cleveland. Was it Cleveland where he got that block that was super high up on the backboard? Yeah, yeah. I was at that game and I missed it live because the guy in front of me stood up. And I'm like, that shit ain't happening again. I'm (laughs) I'm not missing a play because the person in front of me stands up. I'm gonna be the guy that blocks somebody else from seeing it. So every time Ja would get it in transition or he was heading downhill, I'm standing up expecting something spectacular because he does it so much. Just Incredible talent. So glad that he's here in Memphis. I'm glad that we get to talk about him. Glad that we get to cover him. We jumped in with the uh, Ethos Grizzlies podcast right on time. Just couldn't hit a better stride. I'm loving it, man. We'll jump into these numbers a little bit uh, of the game last night. Obviously, you know, we're we're bragging on John Morant and his 41-point game. You know, uh, Isaac already mentioned it. 41 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, 
six for seven from three, just crazy stuff from your franchise player. But the supporting cast, I think, is a lot better than what they get credit for. And that's, you know, th- this team goes 10 and two without John Morant. And then you get a couple idiots talking about, well, this team's better without John Morant. Well, he, not, set them, he set them up. That's for yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> they're, they're not saying that crap anymore. It's, it's not <laughs> happening. It wasn't true to begin with, but they're not saying it anymore. And th- then you look at this box score and you look at these guys, you know, Kyle Anderson, he didn't put up crazy numbers, eight points, four rebounds, two assists. He was a plus, plus 10. 10. Yeah. De- Desmond Bain struggled. Man. He was on the struggle bus last yeah. night. Three he still it. gets to 20 points, man. Still gets to 20 points. 20 points from him. He had a block, a steal, four rebounds, two assists. Jaron Jackson Jr. with a clutch block. I-, I talked about that a little bit earlier. Just the- Zach Kleiman in this front office has done such a good job putting this team together. Killian Tilly, man. We, we-, we-, we were giving him praise. Man, two-way contract uh, player, man, and getting what you're getting out of him. Oh, but look at the box score, Isaac. He didn't score any points. Doesn't matter. He's still a positive. He was a he positive. Got six rebounds. Guy. Six rebounds and assists, two steals. I mean, and he's, he's still on the making floor. Yeah. He's a, like he he is a taller version of John Conchar when it comes to energy. That dude is on the floor. There, there were two or three loose balls where Killian Tilly is he's yeah, diving He's after. diving all over the floor. I mean like, it, He's doing what he needs to do to be on the floor. He had good looks. In the first half, the shots were not falling. I I was talking to Isaac during the game. I'm like, dude, they're not taking bad shots. These are not four shots. They've had wide open looks. Tilly missed two corner threes where there was nobody that could even really lightly contest it, and he just missed them. Desmond Bain was missing shots. You know, FBK, Brevin Knight gave, gave him that nickname, the Flyby King. And he was missing the flyby threes last night. Missed seven, you know, not not all seven of them were flybys, but you know, he he missed seven seven threes last night, and that just doesn't happen. He was having an off night, but just top to bottom, it was a great showing from this team. Tyus Jones had had a huge impact on this game last plus, night. He plus was twenty effective, yeah. Plus twenty plus on, the on the team, yeah. And, and he did. He only scored four points. So, like, what's my point to all of this? You don't have to see 20 points on the scoreboard to see that these guys had a huge impact on the game. And that's – go ahead, man. I was going to say, and, and John talked about this in the postgame presser, kind of what you said a second ago, that they felt like they had a chance to win this game at the half. He said they went into the half and said, man, we're, we're not going to keep shooting like this. We're still in this game. We're just not – the fact that we're – what was it, six at halftime? We're still mm-hmm. in this game. The fact that we're not making shots and we're still only down six – we got a chance to make this game if we go out and make shots in the second half, and that's exactly what happened. Um, he said that they were confident that they could still go out and win this game, and, and that's what we saw. And, and to talk about Bane, man, we've been always been on the Bane trade, even going back to the draft and pre-draft. I kind of said that was my my guy, my ultimate trade-up target if I could pick a guy with it reason. And we've been giving him a lot of praise here lately, but, man, to see him – have a game where he struggles and he still scores 20 points. I mean, I think it's the kind of role player kind of deal with him. I think that's over. I mean, I think he's a bona fide, like, second, third guy on the team. And, and I mean, we talk about Jaron, and I think that he keeps playing like this, man. You're going to have to start asking, is he that second guy? Uh, I mean, I think he has that type of ability. And I think last night, and I kind of tweeted this out, people were kind of getting on, like, what's wrong with Bane? 
I mean, I think tra- having to trade Chase LeBron and Carmelo Anthony around, I think that probably took a lot out of him on the defensive end. And Coach Jenkins talked about the game. I, I noticed that he was limping at the end of the Phoenix game, and he said that he got kneed in the thigh um, in that game. and has like a thigh contusion that he's dealing with. He's getting the heat on it every time he goes out of the game. So he's been kind of struggling with that and then having to chase LeBron around and take a lot of injury out of anybody. I think that's kind of why we saw him miss some of those shots. Still knocked down three threes. I mean, he was three of ten, but he still – that's nine points right there off of, off of three-pointers and end up with 20 points. So that's crazy to say that a, a guy that you kind of last year looked at away, he's just going to be a role player, guy that comes in, hits threes, has a bad night and scores 20. I mean, I, I think he's taking his game to another level. I don't think there's any – question about that. I just don't think he's getting enough credit nationally. Like, when we talk about, and Ja kind of talks about this, and we talk about the most improved player conversation in Memphis, but when you see these national lists and stuff, they'll have 10 guys on there, and Desmond Bain's not even on the list. And I just don't think he's getting the credit he deserves, because I think he, he might even be above that right now. Like, you think most improved player, I mean, we've seen some some big-name guys get it, but a lot of times people think that's kind of a lower-tier role player type of Award. I mean, he what he's been doing lately. I mean, he's. Uh, I really do think we're going to start talking about whether he's that number two guy on this team, and and whether they need to go out and try to bring in another wing because I mean he's been fantastic. I mean, a guy that can knock down threes and, and be decent on defense. I mean, that's something that you don't usually see, and he's shown more that of his scoring ability, not just knocking down threes. He's getting to the basket. I mean, he's making hustle plays. He's doing all kind of stuff. So I think. I think we need to start – people need to start giving Bain a lot more credit, especially people outside of Memphis. He was doing all of this stuff at TCU, man. Yeah, and you're trying like, to tell people, like, he's a spot-up shooter. I don't know about – people's like, when they draft, I don't know about him, man. He's just a spot-up shooter. He has a funky release. I don't know if he's going to be be able to get his shot off. Man, get out of here with that, man. I tried, We tried to tell people, man, if you listen to the Arizona Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast, you knew that, that Bain was going to be a player. But I think even he's – I was one of his biggest supporters, but I think even he surpassed – what I thought he could be. I mean, it's fantastic to see. You love when is, that man. type of stuff happened, man. To get a guy at 30 doing what he's doing, man, it's it's crazy. It blows my mind that there are still members of the media, and I'm not going to say a name. I'm, I'm not about that life. I'm not about beef with people. But there's members of the media, and not national, but the Memphis, the local media, that he's still shocking at some of the stuff that he's doing. And that, that's what he's doing is incredible. I, I don't want to take away from that at all. Like we're, we're praising him right now, but if you are a member of the media and you're covering this team and some of the stuff that he's doing is, you know, it just, Oh, it blows my mind. I can't believe that he's doing this. <laughs> what the hell have you been watching? What well, what have you been watching? Even if you didn't watch him in college, even if you done no draft study, nothing, well, what have you been watching over the last two seasons? Even in his first year, he, he was doing good things. His role was limited. Uh, you, you could tell in his first season that they limited the things that Desmond Bain was doing, and now they've kind of, you know, loosened up those chains a little bit, and they're like, hey, go go get it. You know, get after where loosen the reins. You know, go out there. Everything is up for him, man. His usage is up. His three-point attempts are up. Like, it's it's – crazy to me that he is not in that player of the year conversation 17 points a game up from nine points a game 2.2 assists up from 1.7 4.3 rebounds up from 3.1 i don't know what he has to do to get in that conversation but some of these guys jordan Poole is a guy that i see talked about in that conversation 
And I, I'm not here to badmouth Jordan Poole because he's having a great season. But if you're going to mention Jordan Poole, there's no way that you cannot mention Desmond Bain. Their numbers are damn near identical. It, it's and weird, man. It, it's like I, I – it's Memphis. It's Memphis versus everybody. That's what it is. We, we, that's what it is. Oh, that that's one hundred percent. But it, it's just, I'm I'm going to put a poll out whenever we get done recording the show because I'm interested to see what people think right now, not what he can be in the future, not what what would you consider Desmond Bain right now? Is he a role player? Is he a core piece for this franchise? Is he a potential star? And, and, and I don't think you can – those last two, I don't think you can eliminate either of those last two. I mean, I, I use a guy like Chris Milton as an example. Can he not be that? I mean, is he not already that from what we're seeing this year? I mean, Chris Milton has been an all-star. And, I mean, what we're seeing from him, I mean, why could you say there's no way that he could be an all-star? I can't say that right now. And I don't think even me being one of his biggest supporters or, or David, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think we were taking – that he could be an all-star level player one day. I thought he could be really good, but I, I didn't know about that. And I think I can't say that right now. I mean, the, the way the numbers he's putting up uh, uh, again, man, because he's shown that he's not just a shooter. I mean, he does it all out, out there. And we saw, I mean, he's a microwave scorer, what he can do when he's been doing in first quarters coming out. He's had, he has double digits out there almost every first quarter. I mean, he's just been fantastic. And, and again, man, you just got to go back to this front office to have a guy that is turned into what he's turned into, to get him at 30, I mean, you just love to see those type of situations when, when you don't expect to have that type of player. And I think just Desmond Bain looking at the long-term plan and how they handle this, and we've talked about this before, could change the trajectory of what they, they plan to do in the future. I mean, they've collected all these assets, and I think that, that most people's thoughts on, on what they were doing was they're going to, create all these assets and they're going to bring in a, a, a star player on the wing. I think that's kind of the general consensus of what most people thought was what was going on. And at this point, I don't know if they need to do that. Maybe they can use those assets and split them up and make multiple moves or, or bring in a, another guy we talked about. We know Steven Adams is not going to be long for this roster. You look two, three years down the line, he's not going to be here. Who's going to be your center? Is Jaron going to be that guy? Maybe they need to go out and get a big. I mean, I don't think I think Desmond Bain gives them options that wouldn't happen. Speaking they didn't know they'd have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, but dude, that, no, that's, I, like, that's where I'm at. That, that's exactly where I'm at right now. You mentioned Chris Middleton. I pulled it up while you were talking there. Chris Middleton took him to season four, his age 24 season to get to where Desmond Bain is slightly uh, 18.2 points, four assists, four rebounds. Desmond Bain, his age 23 season, 17 points, uh, 2.2 assists, four rebounds. So, you know, th this is Desmond Bain's year 23, age 23. Chris Middleton's age 24 season was his fourth season where, where he hit that stride. So Desmond Bain's at year two, and, and his numbers are pretty damn close to what Middleton was doing. So I ain't even listening to you right now if you're trying to tell me that Desmond <laughs> Bain couldn't potentially be an all-star. Yeah, man. I, I If Chris Middleton can be an all-star, he can, he can be an all-star. I think I mean, because you look at the numbers now, I mean, he's putting up those type of numbers. I mean, you have to average, what is he, what are he at now? I know like he has to be up to about 15, 16 points a game, the way Bang. he's shooting the basketball. Yeah. 
Oh, you're you're cutting him short, brother. Was he 18? 18, 19? 17.3 right now. Yeah, I mean, I knew it. I mean, that those are all-star numbers already. And, I mean, who's mm-hmm. to say he doesn't get even any any better than this? I know he's a little older coming in, but, uh, again, man, improvements that he's made come from year one to year two. And he was good last year for this team. Uh, we just kind of wanted him to be a little bit more aggressive, and I think he's outdone that even more than we could have even thought. So, I mean, a shout-out again to Zach Klein in his front office to – identifying their guy, man, and going up and get them. I mean, I think there are 29 GMs that are kicking themselves right now. Uh, or Maybe not 29, but a lot. I think if you redraft that draft, I think he goes top 10. I don't think there's any question about it. And, and I mean, I know Boston and, and Dallas are really kicking themselves for, for not having him. It, it's fantastic, man. I think we're lucky to have him, just like we kind of talk about Ja and how special that is. To, to have a guy doing what he's doing in year two that you got at 30, that's just something that you're not going to see. The, the age thing drives me crazy, man, because athletes don't peak. We, we've talked about this on the show before. They don't peak until like around the 26 to 29 is the range. So, yeah, he, he was a couple years older than some of these guys. The teams love to go out and get this 18, 19-year-old kid that has a long way to go, and it works out sometimes. Kobe Bryant was, you know, right out of high school. Kevin Garnett, right out of high school. So there's been – a number of times that you go out and you get this young guy and you groom them and they end up becoming a star hall of fame type player, but they don't have to be that young to come in. Chris, Chris Middleton, his best season so far. um, He's got three that are pretty close, but year 26, age 26, he was at 20 points a game, age 29, he was at 20 and 28. So 26, 28, 29, he was at 20 points a game. And I know those are just, just numbers that, that we talk about, but that that's like he's he's in his peak right now. Chris Middleton is not on the downward slope uh, of his career, and so you still even at at twenty three years old with Desmond Bain, you've got seven, eight, nine, you know, maybe even ten. You know, look at LeBron at thirty seven. Desmond Bain is a guy that takes care of his body, and he's a guy that can shoot the ball. So as he gets older and you lose some of that athleticism, you lose some of that, the, the step, he's still going to be a guy that can knock down shots. I think that you're looking at a guy that's going to have a long career in the NBA just based off of his skill set. Yeah. I mean, because the shooting, I mean, as you can see, man, it, if you can shoot the basketball, man, you can hang around a, a long time. I mean, we've even seen guys that weren't much shooters early in their career that, kind of transformed into that. We saw Vince Carter as a guy that had tremendous athleticism and kind of stuck around because he kind of just became a perimeter shooter. And if you can knock down shots, you can play late to your 30s. Marcus Hall kind of evolved into more of a guy that shot more threes, didn't shoot a lot of threes early in his career. Um, and that's a skill set that doesn't doesn't really leave. Uh, whether you can, you might not be able to get to the basket and, and dunk on guys or blow by them or anything anymore, but if you can shoot that basketball, you can find a, find a role. So I think he has a long time long career ahead of him in the NBA even though he came in a little bit later but man to go back to the game last night man shout out to to Shaq Buchanan a guy who I'm surprised man I thought when they let him go uh after summer league I was kind of thinking maybe he had a a offer uh for for a contract for from another NBA team and they were gonna scoop him up and and, oh man they were able to get him back uh with the hustle and he got called up got his first regular season NBA basket last night so Shout out to him, man, because he's a guy that's been around for a long time, has put in the work, and it stuck with the Grizzlies and his organization. He obviously was a college teammate at Murray State of, of John Morant, so I was happy 
to see him get that basket uh, last night. Uh, but all these guys, man, you, you talk about the depth on this team. Um, and, and we talk about Tilly on, on a two-way contract. You just don't see – you don't you don't get the kind of production out of two-way guys the way that the Grizzlies have gotten out of Tilly this year. So, I mean, this front office, I mean, just all the way around, when it comes to player personnel, drafting, identifying guys uh, that go undrafted, they've just done a, a, a fantastic job. And, I mean, we're lucky to have the front office that we have because before this, you go back to Chris Wallace and kind of that regime, uh, they were a, a front office that was – Reactive, and it, this front office I always say this all the time. Zach Lyman, this front office is, is proactive. They, they identify what they want to do, what the long term plan is, and try to execute it. Chris Watson, the guys, I think they just kind of whatever happens, like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, or they uh, we don't have any kind of plan. Something just falls into our lap, we might do it, and, and that's not what this front office is doing. I think they're innovative. I think they're on the cutting edge of everything, stats, analytics, and. Uh, I mean, I, I trust them uh, going forward. And I think what the, the product that they put on the floor, I think they're way ahead of schedule. We see teams all the time. I mean, teams like you, you can go back to Sacramento, for example, teams that been rebuilt. It took Phoenix years and years to get back to where they are uh, before they got Chris Paul and drafted DeAndre Aiden, some of the guys they brought in. took years and years. And some teams still, like the Kings, still haven't gotten back there. So this is special, uh, what we're seeing here in Memphis, to be where we are. I mean, fourth seed in the West. Who would have thought we were talking about this three years into what a quote-unquote rebuild? I don't know if there was ever really a, a rebuild because I think, if not for some injuries, I think they would have been in the playoffs the first year uh, of John's rookie season when they were in a bubble. So it, it's special what we're seeing right now, man. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it a hundred times. They were a healthy Jaron Jackson away from being in the playoffs. One hundred percent. That's uh, I, I I'll feel that way. I don't know that you're you're not going to convince me anything else. You, you talked about the draft with Desmond Bain a little bit, and, and I'm sorry, I keep going away from the game. I'll get back to the game after I make this point. Desmond Bain, if I'm redrafting his draft, he goes five. There's four guys that I think that you that would be in the conversation to go ahead of him: Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Cole Anthony, and Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, that's it. Probably that's, about it. And, and you know, I don't know. You can make arguments with maybe a couple of those guys that maybe you take Bain above them, but I bias that's Grizzlies bias coming through because I, I get to watch him play night in and night out. But I, there's nobody else in that first round that, that I'm messing with ahead of Bain for sure. So, yeah, I think I think you could put there's some argument there for Halliburton, even though I think Tyrese Halliburton's a tremendous player, but I think. With what he's doing lately, uh, if you think he's going to do that consistently, I definitely think there's an argument to be made even even with, with that situation. So uh, that that you could actually take him for. Uh, so I mean, it's and that's crazy getting to get that guy at thirty, man. To to look back now and even say he's number six. Would you name five guys uh, to say that he's number six in that draft? I think that's crazy, and I think a lot of GMs are kicking themselves. You saw how my tweet on his comments that he made after the, the win at, at Dallas. And how upset that fan base is. And I still still get tweets now. Like, guys, man, every time he has a good game, I'll get a couple Mavericks fans in, in, in my mentions uh, saying, man, we, we really messed up not taking that guy. And Josh Green didn't even score tonight. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> yeah. if you go back to the Josh Green thing, I think, I think Josh Green caught a straight there. Like, I don't think he really – it could have been – I don't even – Tony Johnson. It could have been anybody. I think that just happened to be the guy that they drafted. So he yeah. got to use him as an example. I don't think it's anything personal with Josh Green. 
and, and I, I think that Josh Green is a heck of a talent. I, I do believe that he will eventually get to the point where he's getting playing time when they he played well in that he, yeah he played well in that second game uh, when they had guys out when they came back to Memphis the yeah. next week he, he played pretty well in that game. It's just about he's not a he's never Josh Green when you go back and you watch he's not a uh, a knockdown jumper type of player he's somebody that needs the time that he needs to get in rhythm in order yeah. for that to happen and he just hadn't had that chance but we're we're not going to dig into him too much you know it's Grizzlies podcast not a Mavericks one but. But we'll go back to the box score. And I just wanted to make that point, man. Just, just four guys ahead of Bain for me. And, you know, there's still time that some of these other guys, there's still a lot of talent guys that are growing. But as of right now, I think that you can you can definitely argue top five and maybe higher than that for Desmond Bain coming out of that 2020 draft. Um, let, let's look at these team numbers from, from last night. Isaac, we hadn't talked about that yet. I'll let you roll those off for us. Yeah, man, Grizzlies go 35 of 85 to 41.2%. Uh, Lakers 39 of 86 for 45.3%. So Lakers plus one in attempts, uh, plus four in, in field goals made from the field. Um, and the Grizzlies still won the game by five, even though the Lakers had four four more shots on goal. Um, Three-pointers, Grizzlies 10 of 30 for 33.3%. Uh, Lakers 15 of 41 for 36.6%. Uh, Lakers plus 11 in attempts and plus five in makes. So Grizzlies minus 15 for the three-point line. And uh, Russ Westbrook was asked about that in the post-game presser about did he feel like that's what cost him the game? Because even though they were hitting them early, uh, they continued to shoot them late in that fourth quarter and they weren't making them anymore. And that, that's kind of what allowed the Grizzlies to go back to the game. And, you know, Russ does Russ and kind of never really asked any questions. But you can tell that him and LeBron both were highly upset uh, in, in that post-game post press conference. Uh, but, but he just kind of said, man, it is what it is. We just got to be better next game. But that was something that I noticed as well, that they continued to shoot a lot of threes, even though they weren't making them in the second half like they were in the first half. Uh, but so their Grizzlies negative 15 from the three-point line. Free throw discrepancy, man, I didn't even realize this during the game uh, until I looked at it. I didn't realize – I knew the Grizzlies shot more free throws, but I didn't realize it was this big of a discrepancy. And with Goble refereeing, we Goble and the Grizzlies don't have a really good history with each other. He was the referee in that game here in Memphis um, against the Dallas Mavericks earlier. And a lot of fans were kind of leery of that going into this game. Uh, but the Grizzlies go 24-29 for 82.8%, so they shoot really well for the free throw line. Lakers only 6 of 8 uh, from the free throw line for 75%, so Grizzlies plus 21 in attempts. Like, who would have thought you would ever see a Grizzlies-Lakers game where the Grizzlies were plus 21 in attempts and plus 18 in make, so they more than negate the three-point difference, 15 points off from the free throw line, but they make 18 more free throws, so that's plus three Grizzlies when you look at three-point free throws, so that's a they were able to negate that difference from the free throw line uh, rebounds, Grizzlies, as they do on a nightly basis, win the rebound battle, 43 to, to 39, uh, 13 offensive rebounds for the Grizzlies, seven for the Lakers. Uh, Lakers did a good job sharing the basketball, 24 assists for them, 18 for the Grizzlies, uh, 13 steals for Memphis again. Uh, really were able to get out and get the flexes in the second half, and that's when this team is at their best. Uh, only five steals for the Lakers, uh, both had five blocks. Uh, turnovers, 13 for the Grizzlies, 18 for the Lakers, fast break points. Lakers win that 15 to 12 in points in the paint. Uh, Grizzlies win that as they usually do, 46 to 36. Not as big as numbers as they usually put up in the paint. Uh, but again, man, just uh, a, a fantastic victory. And again, I think that free throw discrepancy really helped them make the gate that three point difference because Lakers were on fire in their first half, man. I was just like, man, are these guys ever going to miss a shot? It just seems like every time they miss a shot, they get an offensive rebound and they get kicked out for a three. And it, it, it was, tough in the first half, but the Grizzlies 
never quit. And that's what I love about this team, the resiliency that they've shown uh, to be able to, to stay in games. Even just looking overall, I mean, 10-2 and two without John Morant. Uh, you're now without De'Anthony Melton and Dylan Brooks, and you're 3-0 and in those games. People talk about depth on teams. And, like, this is real with the Grizzlies. Like, you don't see this. You don't see teams miss a guy like John Moran. There were even other rotation players in and out at that time, too. You still can go 10-2. I mean, if you go 10-2 with Moran, that's a, a, a really good 12-game really stretch. So, I mean, this team is – it's done some special things. And, again, for much criticism that Taylor Jenkins and his staff gets, I don't think they get enough credit for having these guys ready to play, guys that weren't expected to be in a rotation at the beginning of the season. To have these guys come out and perform like they do, I think you have to give them a whole lot of credit for that as well. Yeah, man, uh, 100%. Uh, you know, we talked about, we go back to um, that, that Warriors game where the Grizzlies struggled in the fourth, and we talked about execution on offense and what they have to do in the fourth quarter. And that's for the Grizzlies, 45% from the four, nine, nine for 20 from the field in the fourth quarter. And they held the Lakers to 35%. So when it mattered, and the defense was good all night. The defense for the Grizzlies was good all night long. Uh, When it mattered, they executed in the fourth quarter. It was the Grizzlies led the game early. Like, what was it, like five and whatever, like early in the game, very, very early in the first quarter. And then after that, it's all Lakers until you get to the fourth. The Grizzlies tie the game up. And then the Lakers pull back ahead, get up by five or six, and the Grizzlies just go right back at them. You know, it's all about taking punches, rolling with them, and and adjusting. And that they were able to do that. Great job. It was fantastic to watch, uh, you know, an all time great in LeBron James and John Morant just kind of duel it out. I, I swear to you, man, it felt like LeBron did not miss a shot in the first quarter. Man, I mean, he was talking, I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, the way he was knocking down threes, I was like, man, this is just not going to be their night. Like, if he's knocking down threes like that, man, you just got to have a tip your cap, man. This is going to be the Lakers' night, but it wasn't to be. And and again, man, tremendous defense by the Grizz. I mean, the defensive effort was always there, even when they were down double digits in this game. It wasn't because they were particularly playing terrible defense. Lakers were just making shots. I mean, that's, and that's kind of why I thought, I was like, man, I, I don't know about this, man. I think this is, just one of those nights, and they're going to be nights like that NBA where teams seem like they just they're just hitting everything. I think it was Miami that came in here and just never seemed like they never missed a shot, and they never cooled off. I mean, they just continued throughout the game to, to knock down. I think they ended up shooting fifty seven percent from three for the game, and I just kind of felt like that was going to be one of those nights for the Lakers. But man, Grizzlies executed, got down the stretch, continued with their defensive principles, and started making shots, man, and able to able to pull it out. Yeah. It, like to the Grizzlies credit, like that that Miami game when Miami came in here and was just like blowing the doors off of them. It was early in the season, you know. Those the the first twenty games of the season, the Grizzlies were among the worst in the league defensive rating. Yeah, and it was since, rough. And since then, it's turned around, and it was happening when John Morant was out. But since he's been back, this defense has been good. And, and you know we, we talk about defense being like the something that he needs to work on. He knows that that's something that he needs to work on. But you can see the effort from him. You yeah, yeah, him he's been better. Actively trying, actually put it, it's. If a star has an issue on the defensive end and they're not willing to put in the work, it's going to show. John Morant knows that that's an area that he needs to improve, and John Morant's been working on that. It's clear to see. 
Yeah, I've noticed it clearly. I mean, especially when since since he's returned and 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 you can definitely see more effort put in on it end. Because I mean, there are times I think I saw in the Phoenix game where he uh, played really good defense on Chris Paul. I saw some times last night where he played good defense on on Westbrook. So he's definitely putting in the effort, and I'm glad to see that. I'm glad, and and there was never any doubt. Like I know, you know, John Morant's mentality. He wants to be the best player in the world. I think he believes he's the best player in the world, and that's like kind of have the battle and that's kind of the mentality that, that you want your superstars to have like you want them to feel like every time I walk out there I'm the best damn player on the court and I think he feels like that even going up against LeBron James he has no fear uh, of these guys I know he's a third year player but he's not looking over there like man this is LeBron James I'm looking up to this guy I'm, I'm gonna kind of be worried about it he's not worried about that at all he felt like he was the best player on the court man and that's again like a mentality that you can't teach uh, so that's really special to see but uh, we, you talk about the defense, the defense improving. Uh, I think Steven Adams has a lot to, to do with that. I mean, we talked about making the trade off for, for Jonas Valanciunas, the offense versus defense, and we felt like uh, that Steven Adams would be better in a pick and roll because he can move a little bit better. And, man, there was a point where we were like 15 games in, and I'm like, man, that's just not going to be in, be the case. And if some of switch flip for him, and I don't know was it's just he got more comfortable or what it is, but I mean, he's been much better. It's like night and day from what we saw early in the season, and I think that has a big, a lot to do with with their defense, the team defense being better because he's really been a much better on that back line, and you need that when when you're talking about team defense. Yeah, you still see some. There, there were uh, there was an alley oop last night, and I'm like, Adams missed his assignment. Yeah, you I cannot, know the play you're like, talking about. When, when you're playing, Just flat out blew it. Yep. And like when you're playing drop, your man cannot get behind you. And that's exactly what happened. And, and that I was like, man, he, he blew it there. Overall, it was good. You're you're gonna have lapses during the game. You're gonna miss an assignment. Somebody's gonna close out too aggressively, get exposed. Stuff like that's gonna happen throughout the course of a game. But overall, there there's been a huge change in this defense. And I gotta agree with you. A lot of that was uh was Steven Adams and him turning that corner. Glad to see that happen. Uh, there, there was a, a play where Ja Morant went right at Dwight Howard, and I, I thought for sure that he was gonna throw. Man, yeah, he, he almost got attention. He, he always tried to get get Dwight Howard. That's like the third time I think he had a couple mm-hmm. last year when they played the Lakers where he tried to get him. Still, he's gonna get one of those one day, man. They had the one with with Kevin Love, man. He's gonna put somebody on a on a personal. I mean, he's had some, but he's he's gonna get one of those big ones. But it seems like. I don't know what's going on with Dwight Howard. I don't know if there's something personal, but he's always tried to try to get one on Dwight Howard. Yeah, I mean, I think like historically, Dwight Howard's probably one of the better shot blockers. Maybe not at the definitely not at this point in his career, but early on, Dwight Howard was yeah, a man, he was pretty a intimidating shot. Like Orlando Dwight Howard was one of the best rim protectors in the league and one of the best to do it. And uh, you know, then I just I kind of I lost a lot of respect for Howard. And the you know with the the stuff that happened with him and Van Gundy and and he just kind of turned into a, a, a locker room cancer in my opinion, but uh, you know I, I think that that has something to do with it. A guy because you know when they're playing the Jazz, he's going right at Gobert the same way because he I think he knows that those guys are going to challenge him. And if you if you throw a dunk down like that over a guy that you know that's challenging you. A guy that I want to see him go at because I know that this dude's not scared and he gets dunked on a lot is Jared Allen. 
Jared, yeah. Jared Allen is a guy. He blocks a lot of dunks. He gets dunk on a lot, but he has plenty of highlight reels where he he blocks dunks. And so that that's it's fun to watch Ja be an attack mode and go at guys like that. Man, I think we're gonna wrap it up, man. We 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 uh we're getting long winded in here, man. I, I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even realize how long we've been rolling. We're we're at about forty five minutes here, but huge game for the Grizzlies last night. They they improved twenty two and fourteen. Final score of the game one hundred four to ninety nine. Great game to watch. A lot of positives. We we talked about Bain and his struggles and still getting into twenty points. Just great great stuff from the Grizzlies. I talked to you guys about a giveaway. I've almost got that ironed out. The next episode, which is probably going to be after this San Antonio game on Friday night, that's New Year's Eve. Are we going to do one after that game? You want to do one? Yeah, anyway? man. Yeah, I'm yeah, good to right. go, man. We, we will. We will do it then. Um, so I, I will have information about the giveaway on our next episode. So the the episode, the post game for the San Antonio game is going to be the reveal of our giveaway. I've got to iron out what kind of time frame I want to do it on. I want to give a lot of opportunities for people to get entered in this because I think it's going to be huge. So I, I think we're going to wrap it up, man. You got anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? I mean, sorry, man, I lost you for a second. There's a technical difficulty going on, but I did want to jump on one, one note real quick. Grizzlies did make a move. I mean, they signed Dakota Mathias uh, to a 10-day contract, uh, 6'4", 200-pound shooting guard, played eight games as a rookie for the Sixers last year. Six points um, in, in 15.4 minutes in the six games he played. Uh, played for the Texas Legends after 18 points, five rebounds, and 39.5% from three. Uh, so he's going to be with the Grizzlies on, the, on a 10-day contract, play this college ball out of Purdue. So we'll see if he's able to, to get any minutes. But that's just kind of something that came in late last night. Yeah, I don't um, – we got Xavier Sneed and Tyrell Terry. Is Terry's 10-day, uh, is it almost up? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I haven't even counted like what's going on. You got so many moving parts of guys going in and out. They just came across the, the wire last night and sent out a media release that they were signing Dakota Mathias. I um, mean, he's a guy that I've, I've watched him a little bit in college, man. He can knock down, knock down the three. So that that would be interesting. Guy that's kind of kind of big, six four, but weighs about two hundred two ten. So uh, it'd be interesting to see him. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if Terry's still there. Um, it's just been so much going on, man, with these transactions and the injury report. I haven't even counted how many guys they have on hardship, how many guys are out. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I know Xavier Tillman popped up on the, the injury report for tomorrow. He's now in health and safety uh, protocols. It seems like every game, man, there's another guy going in, man. It's just craziness right now. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at DWill2111. I can't keep up with all the moves. I think I saw Mark Stein maybe tweeted out earlier. They're up to like a hundred and four. Hey, yeah, Mario like Chalmers, Mario Chalmers is back. He yeah. signed a ten day with the with the Miami Heat man, going back to his old stomping ground. Saw that come across the wire. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, getting some interesting names. You know, uh, Isaiah Thomas getting another run. Uh, yeah, and, and, he, he, and, he, and he went back in the protocols first first game uh, with the Bucks. Isaiah Thomas, he's back in the protocols now. So. That's it's crazy, this man. I, I think we're going to see the NBA change that possibly we've already seen the from ten day to six day thing. Like I, we we both have some questions about that, but that's neither here nor there, man. That's not how they're going to handle it. But it's it's crazy that you just kind of hope your team can avoid any any major ones. We had John Morant in it, but luckily he was already out with the knee injury, so he didn't have to miss any more time with that. But you just kind of hope 
everyone stays safe. You, you don't have any, any situations where anybody ends up in the hospital or anything like that. You talk about athletes and they don't usually get sick from it. And that's been the case, but that doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. So just stay safe, man. And hopefully, hopefully these guys can stay on the court. Hopefully we don't look at any kind of pause or shutdown or anything like that, man. But it just seems like so many guys are going in and out every day. Yeah, I, I, it's not looking like the league with the the exceptions and all of this stuff that they're doing. It's not looking like a shutdown yeah. is an option in their eyes. So we'll see how that goes. Isaac, let them know where they can find you, man, and, and get us out of here. We'll be back after Friday night's game against the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. As, as David said, we'll be back uh, New Year's Eve uh, as the Grizzlies take on the Spurs and uh, and and I, I, me and David were talking about this off the air or, uh, before we recorded. I think that's a big game for the Grizzlies because when you're a really good team, you want to avoid letdowns. And there's a lot of times where you're going to lay some eggs uh, throughout the season, and the Grizzlies are coming off two big victories. You get the victory at Phoenix, and even though the Lakers are under 500, two games under 500, that's still a big game. Anytime you play the Lakers, I mean, you know the Laker fans going to come out and really want to beat that team. They're still a big emotional victory. And you kind of look at the San Antonio Spurs team as a team that's bottom of the play in, not maybe not a playoff team. We'll see how that goes. And you might not get up for that game, but this is a big game because the Grizzlies have five and seven days and a really tough week coming up next week. You want to finish this month of December off right. I think if they win this one, they'll finish the month at 12 and four, man. So let's hope we're discussing a big Grizzlies victory on Friday night. But man, for Dave, I've been Isaac Simpson. We'll talk to you on New Year's Eve, man. Have a safe one, Grizzlies. Talk to you later. We gone.